I really enjoy looking around a restaurant and, and seeing that you, you're giving these people that moment of luxury in their lives, you know, like that little, like they've escaped the city, they've come out of work or whatever has happened and um, can just sort of forget everything and, and just enjoy the moment. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. It's quite surprising, but Spanish food hasn't quite had the influence one might have expected in Australia. There are and have been some wonderful proponents of this exciting cuisine here, but it hasn't got the foothold like other cuisines of the globe. But there are some chefs helping pave the way for that. Jesse Garner is the owner of Bomba Tapas Bar and Rooftop in Melbourne. Jesse, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to get you on the show. Um, I feel like I'm sort of uh, not doing you justice with that intro of just one venue. You do so many things. Um, how, how how are things in Melbourne at the moment? Um, look, in the city, we're we're quite quite busy still at Bomber. It has been a turbulent few years, you know, with the COVID and and all of that. Um, the city is changing a bit. Like, there's you're definitely seeing less people there on a Friday and a Monday, but then you're getting like our Thursdays are almost like a Friday <laughs> now. And, um, and the lunches are really strong Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, but have dropped off a bit on the, on the uh, Friday, which is strange as that used to be the, the day of getting really punished in the, in the city. Um, but, um, but, yeah, so it's sort of bits been taken away and a bit's been added, really, for us. So we're, we're, we're going pretty strong um, at Bomber. And, you know, we always quieten down a little bit on the rooftop, been a rooftop bar in winter um, in the colder months. But um, all in all, yeah, I've got to say we're sort of, yeah, we're, we're ticking along quite nicely. We're coming up to 10 years at Bomber in September. So, um uh, and, you know, like with Anyada, my previous restaurant in Fitzroy that I recently sold, um, you know, that <clears throat> that was 15, 15 years in the end. And, and there is, it is an interesting time when a restaurant hits that 10-year period. You know, you've really got to make, st- still cement yourself and do the changes that need to be happening and, um, and, and keep, you know, keep fresh but also keep true to what you're trying to do you know so it's a uh, 15 years is amazing um what were the reasons behind letting go of anyata um well i loved it like it was our baby that was the first one we opened in melbourne um and it was quite small so it was 40 seats you know to push kind of thing so um very tight team um and and look, my, my life sort of changed over those 15 years a lot. Like I've got three boys now. My oldest is 13 and youngest is eight. And, um, and you know, that period I had a couple of other restaurants and, and a little restaurant like Anyada, which, I, you know, I still love, is, um, is something that you really need to have your thumb on constantly and and really work it, you know, like it's – it also it sort of boils down, uh, you know, in my mind, what the sort of essence of hospitality is in those smaller things, where you sort of, you know, you you build a great little team, and then 
you know, and then what you, well, in my mind, what you're trying to do is if, is give people a little bit of like joy and a little bit of luxury in their lives. And that needs to happen, you know, from the floor all the way to the kitchen and the look of the place and all that. And I just sort of, um, in the end, I just couldn't, didn't feel I could put enough time into it, to be honest. And I got offered like a, it wasn't on the market or anything. The, a chap came along and offered some money for it. And um, at first I told him to go away, but then, you know, I sort of, <laughs> then I was like, oh, hold on a second, maybe I should consider this because I'm sort of, I am considering trying to do another another one in the city that's quite big and kind of cost a bit of money. So um, I kind of, yeah, I sort of, and, and also dropping back to one restaurant, like pre-COVID I had four and it was very busy, you know, um, like and running around and also trying to jug, juggle family and and life. Um, it's actually been quite enjoying, enjoyable for me, like going rather than sort of holding the reins and, you know, heaps of meetings and meeting, you know, all the exec chefs and, and, and everyone and, and going through plans and all that. Like I'm, I'm in the kitchen doing doubles, you know, which is actually, um, it's kind of nice and, and grounding again, really for me. Um, I'm, I'm actually in a pretty good spot at the moment. I'm enjoying it. Um, and you know, we've at Bomba, we've just sort of, um, lost uh well, we've got myself and then Andrew Fisk who's also a partner who's the executive chef and then there's there was Sam Sam Ahor who um who's just le- left us he's been with us for 6 years so it's kind of like a a bit of a sort of rustle up in the kitchen really at the moment and it's but it's kind of nice just to get back in there and we can really play around with with dishes and and look back and 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 forwards into into how we how you know how we're going to move forward and a lot of what Bomber is like Anyada was a different kind of restaurant like Anyada was um or and still is was uh, especially at the start was based on um, southern Spanish so a lot of like Moorish Muslim Mediterranean flavors and like Andalusian sort of style, um, where Bomba was always a bit more, um, you know, a bit more of a sort of fun, funner design of restaurant, you know, like um, more Catalan, I'd say, in a lot of the flavours, like northern Spanish um, influences. And, I mean, how we sort of come up with a lot of those dishes there, are, um, you know, looking at some of these real classic dishes you know pre-covid would travel to spain at least you know once a year um and you know we've had some great experiences tagging along um you know photographers and you know just meeting farmers and producers and and a lot of this comes down to a good friend of mine over there who whose name is ses castro who's um who i met years and years ago he was uh, a war journalist. Uh, we met, met in Cadiz. We we're both sleeping on the top of a um, this this sort of uh, backpackers place. You could sleep on the roof, and like, um, and he he'd come out of um, sort of Iraq and Jordan and all that sort of stuff, and he'd like started studying gastronomy um, 
back in Barcelona and and um and had a real love for food and we just started you know going on these adventures we sort of caught a couple of buses and taxis the next day after meeting and went down and checked out all the guys that were making mahama down down the coast towards um uh, like down Los Canyos to Mecca, a little bit further down from that, basically, where they catch the tuna and salt it and dry it. Um, and that sort of just sparked off this uh, friendship and, 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 and we'd, so we'd catch up, you know, try, like once a year and, and pick a little region and, and go and explore it, basically. And um, we'd bring some of the chefs with us in the end and, um, and then that was, you know, a great influence on, on the style of food that I was trying to produce at the restaurants, really. You'd go back with that information and then not just copy those dishes, really, because in Melbourne it's, you know, different ingredients. You're not going to see Carl Sots and, um, you know, like some of these, you know, even some of these peppers and all types of stuff that you are seeing a lot more now. Um, but, you know... 15, 10 years ago was, was a little bit harder to, to find. So it did get a Melbourne stamp on a lot of those dishes, you know, um, and still does in, as, it, as it comes out. And it's also the palate of, our, you know, of the people around as well. Like you've got to sort of balance um, not all the dishes but like some of the dishes on the menu. So there's a few lighter things that's not too heavy and – Porky, I suppose. Um, <laughs> well, Spanish cuisine has become a real hallmark of your your career, and I want to get into that in depth shortly. But take us back to when you were young. Um, where did you grow up, and what sort of role did food play for you? Um, yeah, so I I grew up in in well, around Adelaide. Um, I was born in a tiny country town called Yongola, which is out near Peterborough, near the new Tesla battery now, I suppose, um, near Jamestown. Um, and my dad's an artist and my mum is an anthropologist. And, um, and they were always, you know, always we had a big veggie garden and grew a lot of our own foods. And, and both mum and dad, especially mum, was really well traveled you know like um mum had traveled all through the middle east and um you know in the 70s and and like you know a lot of europe and and spent a lot of time in in greece and loved that mediterranean style um of, of food so we'd sort of you know we're eating a lot of you know obviously a lot of olive oil and a lot of like our own vegetables and and that had an influence on us as well and we had after Yongola, we moved to McLaren uh, Flat, which is sort of in the wine region, I suppose, in one of the wine regions in in um, South Australia, and and we had chickens and geese and um, and all of that sort of going on, and you know, and and one of you know one of the experiences that I remember was kind of shocking at the time was sort of walking out to the you know, where the Hills Hoist clothesline was and Dad had, um, was killing a few geese off and had them hung upside down on the clothesline, you know, after it cut their throat sort of thing. And, like, I was quite young and I came out and you could sort of smell 
the death and and it was like kind of traumatizing in a way you know but um but then you know he tried to explain what, what was what was happening but then I, I i still remember you know a few days later having this roast geese uh, like a roast goose with you know and then potatoes cooked in the fat from it and like a big you know a big feast of of the animals that we've had and a lot of the veggies that were growing and and that was like a that was a big sort of you know life lesson almost to me um where I was like you know like it's it is hard <clears throat> the life out there you know like the things do die for us to eat and um you know and if but if you look after them well and and um and then especially when you produce you know when you're cooking with them as well and 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 putting a lot of lot of effort into that they you know they can come into something really quite special and so when we were younger i um my parents are kind of hippie-esque, I suppose, but we weren't allowed much television. It was David Attenborough for an hour on a Sunday, so we were sort of kicked outside a lot and, um, you know, I had to play and 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 also, you know, birthday presents, I was getting mixing bowls and wooden spoons and, and, and things like that as well and encouraged to, to get into, um, you know, using the – the vegetables and fruits and in the end like <clears throat> from McLaren flat mum and dad moved into a big old house in um Mount Barker which is up in the hills and it you know it had some beautiful really old pear trees and mulberries and all types of fruiting trees and then they established a big veggie garden and slowly did this house up um and you know, and and that was you know where we were starting to go to primary school and um, and high school, and and it was yeah it was we we always were sort of really encouraged to sort of get involved in what we were eating really, and mum you know mum had stories of um you know her travels and 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 some of our dishes were you know some of the food I was eating at school was a bit different than some of my mates as well and people were interested in that and like I always thought it was a bit weird at the time I was like well can't I just get a you know Vegemite and cheese sandwich or something but um um you know mum would sort of marinate you know marinate some zucchinis or you know some really nice tomatoes and it was yeah it was just um I, I reckon that sparked an interest in food for me um and then another big part of my like life's passion I suppose is sailing I, I started windsurfing early on and um mum and dad made me go and get a job to buy some of the kit um really so it's about 13 I just went and cooked up at the Handorf Golf Club um just sort of hand washing dishes and you know serving up it was pretty rough sort of you know um, sort of food with one, one of dad's friends um, had the contract up there and but it got me faster you know faster for for a younger kid like it was all you know you do a couple of hundred people and there's no dishwasher or anything like that so you're hand washing all the plates and, you know there's two of us there late into the afternoon um, and then 
to be honest, at school I was a bit of a rat bag, um, moved around a little bit. And part of my schooling, you know, like in year 10 was kind of do some work experience and I, I really wanted to get, get into a kitchen and um, I got up into a, a restaurant called Eagle on the Hill, which isn't there up anymore, it's down looking over Adelaide. Um, you know, it was up the old freeway, now they put a tunnel sort of through it all. Um, and a chap there called Kevin Gregg was the owner and... Um, you know, I was probably a little bit of a cheeky little fella at the time, but I got in there and, you know, after, after the first week, you know, I think cause I'd had that couple of years experience already, um, you know, pushing hard to get out of the golf course, <laughs> um, you know, on my, on a Sunday or a Saturday to have a bit of a day, uh, you know, a bit of a weekend, um, I, uh, he sort of came up and offered me a, um, an apprenticeship, which was, I hadn't, you know, real, really thought about too much at that stage, but then like, I, I'd love food and, um, and, you know, I was getting into a bunch of trouble at the time at school. So I, um, um, I sort of went home and had to think about it and, I, I, in the end, I was like, you know, I'm going to give this a go. And if I, you know, if I do my four years and, um, you know, I want to still go back and study something else or, or do something, I, I would, I was, I considered that I could, you know, fall back onto, onto cooking, I suppose. And, um, but I got in there and, and started and it was tough, you know, like it was, you know, I was, I think I was earning three dollars ninety an hour <laughs> on my first year, and um, like one day at at at, uh, at school at TAFE at, at a um a week, and then five days in the kitchen doing double shifts, you know, um, and that's just sort of what it was, um, and it, but it was I worked with some great chefs. I worked with Thomas, this Swedish guy who. You know, he he'd done his hard yards in the eighties in you know two and three Michelin star restaurants in France and Italy and Germany, um, and he was hard, he was tough, <laughs> you know, like a lot tougher than you see these days on how you know how he'd speak to you and all that. But he pushed you hard and um, and like you know had lots of cuts and bruises and. Um, sore egos and all that sort of stuff. But um, I also just loved it as well. I loved the camaraderie and, and, and everyone pushing together and, and working hard. And, um, you know, I was there for a few years and then sort of started like looking around and, you know, started working, a couple, you know, a few, few of my days off with Chong Lu down at the Grange and then um, started sort of hunting around a bit. And then I went over to the Oxford, which was sort of, um, doing some, some sort of like it was quite big in the late nineties, <laughs> um, in Adelaide and, and then, um, and started sort of, you know, looking around at other styles of food and, and, um, yeah. And just basically after, I think I was, cause I started quite early, I was 15, but, but before I was 19, I was qualified, 
Um, and um, I'm, I sort of just got a random call from a mate who'd moved to Newcastle above Sydney, which I knew nothing about, but he was living on the beach. And he was like, look, do you want to come up? And I was like, sure. So <laughs> jumped in my Daihatsu charade and drove drove up to Newcastle. And then um, I was lucky to bump into a chap called Michael Carroll, who had just come out of running Bon Recordos for about five years or six years in Sydney. Um, and he was opening a place up near the hospital there. It was called Carol's on King at the time. And um, and I just really loved his food. He'd, he'd also spent a lot of time in Europe in, you know, Michelin star restaurants um, as he was coming up. And he had some really interesting techniques that I hadn't seen or used before. So I was, uh, I got in and ended up being a sous chef with, with him and, and, and it was a kind of interesting little restaurant. It was like degustation for about 30 or 40 upstairs and, um, and then another, you know, a la carte downstairs for about the same and small little kitchen, but you know, he was doing the fagatinis and, you know, the truffled egg, um, passes and all that sort of stuff, um, which obviously is from Bon Recordos and the Salt Book of Quail and, um, you know, some of that stuff. And, I, like, I, I just loved it, you know. I thought it was really, really interesting. At the same time, I was, like, nerding out on a few cookbooks and I think the Morrow cookbook just came out from um, from London, the first one, and um, I really enjoyed that style of food, like that um, southern Spanish sort of food. So I was sort of at home mucking around with that a little bit. And then um, uh, so some of my friends that I'd caught up with in Newcastle were like, look, let's, let's open a, a restaurant together. I, I was like 19, 20 at this stage, probably 20. Um, and this pizza restaurant came up for sale on – on Derby Street um, and we're all pretty gung-ho and we're sort of like, all right, let's let's do this place. And it wasn't small, like it was, must have been 120-seater or something, um, like a double terrace with a bar upstairs and a sort of big cafe downstairs. And so there was four of us and we'd, I'd saved up um, a little bit of money, you know, like 15 grand or something. You know, we didn't come from any any money, really, any of us, apart from one of one of my mates whose dad owned a few pubs, and then he um, and we're like, all right, let's do it. Started doing business plans and working it out. And on the day of signing, one of the um, one of one of the partners actually pulled out as we were supposed to go to the um, to the lawyers to buy this place. And like they wanted seventy thousand, I think, at the time, and there was three of us, and I ended up having to like borrow uh, ten thousand off my grandpa. So there was we'd scraped twenty five grand each up, and um, and bought it, and sort of paid the lawyer, and then we were desperately trying to find another partner, you know, to try and help us finish what we were trying to do. We'd um, already ordered these big front windows and, and knock the front of the, the building out to put in some bifolding windows, ran out of money. And then, um, 
but we just like got all our mates together and we're just we just we're working every day just trying to you know do what we can like fully unqualified electrical work and um you know like just begged and borrowed and stole and then um and as we were doing this you know we were really starting to you know basically would run out of money and we started to try and get leases for some kitchen equipment and you know trying to sort of put this place that we've gutted back together you know we went to ikea and bought those nick folding chairs for 20 bucks each or something and um bench bought some bench seats and we we just were making the upholstery we were just trying to do everything we could and um and whilst doing this, my um, girlfriend at the time, Vanessa, who's my wife now's father, saw how much of an effort we're putting in and he offered Vanessa, you know, like to he remortgaged his house and get, offered her 20000 um, which was enough for us to, you know, to just finish this, this restaurant and we opened – and it went crazy. Like it was really busy. I was, you know, sort of brought in our own pastry chef and like, you know, we're doing breakfast, lunch and dinner seven days. Um, so it was sort of a cafe, I suppose, but like in a more of a French bistro sort of style um, called The Grind. <laughs> but like, yeah, a lot, lot of cafe, a lot of coffee and, um, you know, we did sort of, at, at the time, this was 20 years ago, there was frappes and, you know, all that juices and all that stuff. And then we we got um, some pretty more serious sort of um, menu items as well sort of going on. And and look, at just luckily, because I think the, the last check we wrote was for the window cleaning and that bounced. So we're like, we really just need to open. And... Um, and ordered all this food basically on tick and and luckily for us it just took off you know like it was we had lineups and um we were really busy from day dot really so um to the point where you know two and a half years later a rugby league player came along and um just kept offering money until we said yes and sold it to him basically um which was the opportunity for me and Ness to get married and and then um, run overseas. Um, and, like, throughout that time, I'd, I'd still been really getting into the Morrow books. And so we went over to London and um, and then we sort of started having a look around and decided we weren't quite ready to go back to you know, working a million hours that we were at the at the cafe. So we bought a van and took off around Europe and went to the Olympics in Greece and just sort of had a great time for six months and and then um, came back to London and and um, yeah, I just walked straight in tomorrow and said, "Look, I'll give you a week if you don't like me by the end of it. Don't hire me." <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, got a got a job there, and and um, and yeah, just uh, you know, I I really liked the food that the you know Sam and Sam Clark were doing there at the time. Vanessa 
Um, my wife got a job at, with Ruth and Rose at River Cafe um, and um, on the floor. And, um, yeah, we, you know, it was know, two years or, or so there. But it was actually a, one of the hardest but one of the nicest things that I've done. Like I'd gone from thinking I was pretty pretty good you know in my early 20s running the team um and and a really busy little restaurant in Newcastle to like go down to a larder section at Morrow and like one of the first salads I was putting up um Sam boy Sam came up and looked at me and was like that's fucking pretentious Jesse <laughs> like messed it up you know um and and like you know, that was just sort of building a solid as you would, you know, at the time over here, and and then it, like it was just really interested me how it was like over there at that time was all about the flavour and like every ingredient and like treating it, you know, like not putting tomatoes in the in the fridge and not and peppers and stuff like that, and really just sort of trying to get the most out of every ingredient, which. Those guys, Sam and Sam, had both worked in the early days at River Cafe as well, which is, you know, an ethos that I think sort of reg- originated from, from, from there. So, and I learned, you know, how to use these Moroccan-style sort of um, wood ovens with the heat sources underneath um, and a lot of, like, you know, making our own sourdoughs and, and sort of worked my way up, you know, through the – the kitchen like you know into hots and um and just really enjoyed that that style of food it was it's not really um it was more yeah there was a couple of tappers and stuff like that but it was more sort of larger plates and a lot of um you know muslim mediterranean sort of flavors and 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 with with that spanish influence as well at the time and um yeah it was like a real eye-opener for me on how they, you know, making everything there, you know, yogurts and cheeses and sourdoughs and, you know, we're getting, we're getting fresh Iberico um, in and making like Iberico chops <laughs> and like serving them medium rare and all this stuff I just hadn't really seen. You know, we're getting those tiny milk-fed lamb legs in, you know, like in literally serving one on a plate um, and just grilling them. And, you know, a lot of – there's a big grill there, a lot of charcoal sort of wood wood grill kind of work, which I found fascinating. And then just before we were sort of coming to the end of our visas in, in London, I did a chef swap for one of the chefs at River Cafe – and um and then spent the last few months there in, in going into the summer at the river cafe basically and and just loved it you know I really like that style of of food like I, I was there with Rose still and and um the passion that she has you know had um was just really inspiring um there you know there was a new menu every service um. And you basically the way it worked there it was a reasonably big team that time of year where you'd come in, you'd help make um, some of the pastries, some of the desserts, 
And then you'd basically have one, maybe one and a half dishes that you had to prep from scratch before service, you know, before lunch. Um, and you just, you know, I, like you just can't really make mistakes on it as well. Like if you, you see sort of people come and go, like you just can't rush things through and then you, you know, get your dishes ready for the service and then pick, you know, help get in with everyone and help pick like 10 king crabs and, and then just get going and, and then service would, you know, do, do a lunch service and, you know, it was just incredible like how, you know, it was a bigger, bigger team, but then finish lunch service and then people would have a meal, like eating a lot of the stuff that was left over from lunch service. And then a new menu would come up and you'd start again like, um, for the dinner. So there was a little bit of crossover, but, um, but yeah. And, and Rose, like, a you know, like I remember when I was there, she was like on the phone and the, there was some seps coming up in Scotland and she was like, yes, all right, great, I, I want them. So, like, you know, I think this forager, like, somehow got it into a car, into the airport and somehow flew it down for lunch. Like, we ended up, like, prepping them for lunch, you know, <laughs> and, like, getting the first of the wild salmon that were running and, like, you know, like, she's just – it was just – um it was just really, you know, inspiring as a young cook to see that. Like she'd come in on her birthday with a menu that she'd thought about for a while to that she wanted to cook for her birthday, you know. Um, and and where I was living in Brook Green was like I'd walk and Rose would drive past in a little convertible Audi um, and pick us up a couple of times and, it was great. I was getting some one-on-one chats with her and, and um, you know, I just found it hugely inspiring and Ruth as well, but in a different way. Um, yeah, and then from there we we came back to Australia and f- felt a, we felt really dislodged, to be honest. We were kind of – we had a bit of money to do a restaurant um, from the sale of our last one and um, – we thought it was going to be in Sydney, so we went straight into Sydney and I worked at Boozo for a bit and um, Ness was working at Long Grain. Um, but then we just we, it was just really hard for us to sort of make any ground there and we, we um, long story short, we came on a holiday down to, to Melbourne and um, I had a um, – Movita and I was just like, geez, this is, you know, awesome. Met Frank and I was like, Frank, this is amazing. <laughs> um, and he, he was like, oh, look, come and, come and work for me. And I was like, oh, all right. But, I, you know, just so you know, I'm looking, you know, I am wanting to start my own restaurant, you know. Um, but I came down and, and loved it. Like both Vanessa and myself ended up working at Movita and, um, and then sort of hunting around and, um, and it was actually Frank and who, who said, look, have a look on Gertrude Street, you know. It's a, it's a cool little strip, strip along there. And, and uh, we found Ume that came up for sale as a Japanese sort of whiskey kind of bar-y thing and, um, and jumped in there. And then, yeah, and sort of 
same thing, try to build it as, you know, ourselves. We sort of spent four or five months, like, stripping it and, and um, putting in a big copper bar and, change, like, changing the whole kitchen around and putting a wood, you know, charcoal grill in and, and then, um, you know, opened and, and, like, really tried to do that sort of um, southern Spanish sort of, you know, sort of style food in it. You know, some of the dishes were similar to tomorrow, but like we we were doing it in a much more tapas, racionas sort of environment. You know, rather than having small like entrees and mains, it was more a whole lot of smaller dishes, really ranging to slightly bigger ones. And um, and yeah, like we were lucky there again. It sort of just really busy, and we had. John Lethlane walk in in our second day open when we we're still trying to work out how the pause was working and um, <laughs> and he came back three times in the first week I think and and but yeah we we had some really great support from the from the media and over that period and just got busy like really busy at the time we were booking the you know a few tables in the front and then we had higher tables along the bar and a Hired sort of communal table at the back, and um, and all the hired stalls we just didn't book, and you know we ended up having lineups for you know most most of the week, and booking out the bookable tables, you know for a fair time in advance, and it was just you know really busy, but it was um it was pretty crazy. Me and Ness were living upstairs with our little dog, and just. Uh, you know, I reckon there's a period there I didn't leave the street for three months. You know, <laughs> so, um, and yeah, and then we, um, and yeah, we just started sort of. I, I loved it, you know, getting up and making bread, and um, and then some of the chefs would come in, and like we didn't even have a call room at the start. We just had a few like double door and single door fridges and all the underbench, so. It really pushed me to sort of, you know, you'd just be getting stuff in and then and prepping it hard and then serving it and then it'd start again, you know, um, which was you know, no, no combi ovens or anything like that at the start. It was like one drop oven um, and a charcoal grill and and we had a had a great time working with some really amazing people and put this, you know, put a team together and, um, yeah. And then I suppose after a couple, about three years, I started looking around and looking for a bigger kitchen. Like Anyada kitchen is, um, at the back of the restaurant, there's no natural light <laughs> and it's a big stainless steel box, you know, you sort of start to feel a little bit like a vampire after a couple of years working in something like that. Um, you know, wanting to see bit more light and and also be able to work in a kitchen where you can have more than two chefs in a kitchen hand in um so we started looking around and I found the space where Bomber is um after a year or so and um and at the time I was traveling a bit and went to um went to America and um and ended up in San Francisco and like really loved that nose to tail kind of style that was was quite big at that stage 
around San Fran and like so I came back and actually opened it um as the Aylesbury so it was like a kind of I suppose it was almost like a hundred mile kind of style of restaurant where we're you know um very fiercely organic and biodynamic and um everything you know directly from farmers you know within the area and um and I loved it and we like it you know we we did get some really good press and we we're really busy at the start and then but the issue for me um as you know like it, uh, the style that we're doing was expensive like you know like the food was expensive for us to buy and it, and we weren't really making the margins to be honest and and you know we had to just get more expensive and then there was that factor of you know our pricing ourselves in the on the market a little bit and um and then you know Ben and like Chin Chin came along um around that period sort of and and opened and you know that like sort of fun dining kind of um you know Chin Chin just sort of burst onto the st- scene I suppose but it was super busy and and uh you know I actually really enjoyed that and through that whole period my first boy Sam was born and I started to um consider maybe not working 65 hours a week you know every week and or more or whatever it was and um and I had a uh, you know a moment I think we went on holidays and I was just you know I think we'd I just sort of made a decision and I was like, you know what, we're going to change Aylesbury and go back to what I've, you know, what we've spent years looking at and traveling to Spain and all this sort of stuff and get, go for, go for Bomba basically. And, um, and have it broader than what I could do at Anyada and, you know, with a much bigger kitchen and crew and, um, more equipment and, and Bomba was born, um, and as I think I said before, it's um, in September will be ten years now. So um, it was about two and a half years after after Aylesbury, um, which was really hard, you know, because in the end of Aylesbury, it was starting to, you know, like not be so profitable. To, and then go okay, well, you know, I really believe in the space and. And, you know, I think I have something that people would really like there. And um, But then it's like another investment, you know, like doubling down, <laughs> pulling more money out and, um, and, and, and changing it. Jesse, you've um, opened many venues um, since sort of that time with, with Bomber, and but Spanish has really been at the core of what you do. Tell us a little bit about... Um, Spanish cuisine and and what you love about it. Yeah, so I've sort of skipped a part there, but I um after Morro and River Cafe, we went and lived in Spain for about six months. And um, through my time at Morro, actually, we used to smuggle charcuterie like Joselito Hamon and stuff like that out of out of Spain. So we got to meet a few producers, and I just loved the lifestyle of 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 how people ate in Spain and I thought in many ways that would, you know, is pretty similar to, you know, 
to Australia and in, in some of the bigger cities and, you know, like people joining up and sort of, you know, having a little snack here and, and cruising along, having a couple of drinks and, a, and another snack there. And, you know, I kind of, I mean, might have, might have just been the people that I was with at the time, but I, I really enjoyed the fact that people weren't going out, having some food and then getting smashed, you know, like it was kind of a slightly different culture where you'd, you know, have a little bit of something to eat, a couple of drinks, and then you'd go somewhere else and that, that would sort of keep going throughout the night. Um, and, and I just, um, I just really fell for that whole culture of it. I think, I think it was, it was, um, really social kind of eating and, and, um, and also the passion that they have in, in Spain in many areas is, is huge for, for the, the regional type of food or, um, or the Nouveau cuisine as well, which was, um, you know, like you got El Salo de Can Roca and El Bui at the time and all, like all of these, you know, and, and Echeberry and, you know, got, and I was lucky to go and eat it in a couple of these places. I never got to El Bui, but um, El Salo de Can Roca I got to and Echeberry and like a lot of like amazing sort of sort of modern modernists sort of food um and and look i just think that um maybe because i sort of grew up with mum feeding us this european style food from the garden and 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 a lot of that just spoke to me when i was over there and um i loved you know the effort that people you know like i remember chatting to to you know some of the guys and like who you know cook for them at your house and they'll be like well you can't put rosemary with chicken that's time you know or you know like it's sort of like really affronted by the fact that you'd put the wrong herb on you know in this in this dish that you cook with you know olive oil bay and garlic and a little bit of wine um and and you know the passion for that i just um you know, I just found amazing. So, yeah, and then and I loved doing the deep dives when we were over there, just sort of meeting people and working out what they're doing. And and a lot of this tradition, you know, especially in cheese making and stuff like that, was almost systematically wiped out. You know, through the Franco periods and um, but then you know, like had been sort of almost kept going under you know, stealthily in families for, you know, for, for many years. And then after that period, like, you know, that whole Movita, that whole more life period was sort of exploded into, you know, Spain. And and you can still see that, like, um, you know, this passion that people have for their, their traditions and their family dishes. And, and um, yeah, I just, I just found it fascinating, really, um, and and love it. The, the food of Spain is so different depending on where you are and what what sort of part of Spain uh, you're in. But is, is there any sort of dishes that um, sort of really speak of what you do with with Spanish food? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, I mean, one of my biggest dishes, you know, which is quite simple, really, that. Um, 
that, you know, it's been following me around now since Anyada, but I can't really pull it off the menu. Um, is like a Montaditos, which, which is like a basically just the sourdough that we make, um, sliced, cooked on the on the charcoal grill, rubbed with garlic, and then we roast some bone marrow um, with a little bit of sweet onion and drizzled with Pedro Jimenez, um, which is a real sweet sherry, onto the toast and just a, a slice of um, like a – we use an Australian Wagyu sort of brazola really, which we call a sassina, which is the same – thing and, and then and that's sliced really thin and placed on top um you know that's one of our sort of dishes that people a lot of people come back for um but the, you know that i i i really enjoy sort of looking at what we have on offer here in australia and then and then these traditions back in spain and you know like and it's probably going to make some of my friends in Spain squirm a little bit. You know, like we do, we have bought lamb in a paella and, um, you know, sort of we have sort of mucked around with it a little bit, but we're, we are in Australia, we're in Melbourne, you know. Um, and um, But just, you know, at the same time then just do, doing some real traditional sort of dishes, you know, for like mucking around with the, sort of boiled um, potatoes and pork and corn and stuff from the Canary Islands and, um, you know, really sort of having, you know, I, I just really enjoy like the travel, the look at dishes and then and then playing with them back here. And I think, you know, like it does, it does really work well in the city. I think we've got a great, you know, um, community of restaurants in Melbourne and um and a lot of support between each other um and yeah we've we're we're really lucky and happy to be here um as part of that and yeah i like it's it is it is funny like the um in Fitzroy there was the sort of spanish quarter there for for a while it's kind of you know Casa Berica and some of those places still obviously there but it has um you're not seeing so many of those sort of style restaurants but you are seeing a lot of other restaurants incorporating you know tappers in in some in some way or you know a style of tappers or food small food called tappers um uh you know into the into their sort of repertoires too over the years um but like you know like when we started Anyata, like that shared food thing, it was reasonably new, you know, like it wasn't, um, it, there wasn't a lot of it going around at the time. So it was kind of exciting and, um, yeah, and it's, and it still is, you know. Your influence with Spanish cuisine in Melbourne has been extraordinary. What, what do you love about what you do? Um, look, I, I really love, um, building a team to be honest to, to like like building a restaurant and like putting some really amazing people together and there's a lot of like um a lot of really good hospitality professionals in melbourne you know like that are career focused and want to do you know put a put something really special together and i, and I heart back to 
you know, when I said before, I really enjoy looking around a restaurant and, and seeing that you, you're giving these people that moment of luxury in their lives, you know, like that little, like they've escaped the city, they've come out of work or whatever has happened and um, can just sort of forget everything and and just enjoy the moment, you know. Um, I That's what I really love doing and, and obviously love cooking and um, and sort of being in the kitchen, but I just yeah the, my yeah my biggest part of my joy and what I'm doing at the moment is um, especially coming out of COVID and seeing those those people that you know couldn't go to a restaurant for for a long period coming in and you know the the joy you see on people's faces faces are um, it, it was was amazing you know and it, it's. You know, it's starting to get into another tricky time, I, I think, at the moment. Um, so it, I think, you know, what we do socially is really important, you know, um, having restaurants and having people getting out and, and, and spending time together. Well, Jesse, I know that there's so much more to your story and you're doing so many things. So um, perhaps we can catch up again real soon. I've loved having you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a bit of your story. Um, Please keep in touch and let's catch up again soon. I'd love to. Thank you. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.